You know, one of the most exciting things about working with Gun.io is I get to work with some of the most important consumer brands and fitness brands and enterprise brands. And what you find is that they're all looking for the very best talent and they're competing for it. And one thing I tell clients all the time is that, hey, you know, if you can develop um, the mindset to, to hire remote freelance engineers, what you're going to find is that it opens up the pool of available talent because you're not going to have to fight over the same group of FTEs from all the other companies in your space. And so now what we can do is bring you a cohort of people that other companies aren't competing with you against. And it's really a competitive advantage to take stock of that and find some excellent people you can bring on board. This is the Frontier Podcast powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, rate, review, and subscribe, and follow us on Twitter at The Frontier Pod. I'm dialed in from Chicago, where it has uh, been snowing and very wintry in the past couple of weeks. <laughs> You're keeping warm inside, I hope. Doing good. I'm next to the fire in Nashville, and we hope it will be a little bit warmer. <laughs> would you um, Would you mind giving you know a couple minute uh, background, just introduction of yourself, so that the audience can get to know you and your work a little bit? Yeah, of course, Ledge. Um, so I'm Mike Kritzman. I'm a, a CEO of a startup that I founded six years ago called Skillnet. I like to introduce myself as uh, the father of, of three people and two companies. This is my second uh, company that I founded. The first one was acquired by Charles Schwab. And uh, we, we are uh, currently uh, busy s- sort of in sales and marketing with our, uh, our skills uh, measurement and, uh, and personal development platform. And off mic, you and I were, were talking about, you know, I, I saw when I originally, you know, read your, your bio that, you know, your, your expertise and that of your team is really around how companies can do better about using and developing and retaining and engaging their human resources. And, you know, I, I know from startups and, and from enterprises that I've been involved with, you know, you, you don't have to look very far on the uh, income statement to see that, you know, number one investment item is always people. And yet organizations seem to, to fail to retain them and engage them. And, and I just wondered, uh, what's your experience been, you know, now as, as you stepped out from, from larger enterprises and, and start to think with, with different organizations about that, what's being missed and, and where are the opportunities? Yeah, great question. I think that I'm going to uh, try to keep, uh, keep it simple and, uh, and, and provide a level of detail uh, that we can go, go deeper on. So uh, I worked at Oracle and Ernst & Young and a, and a handful of other startups, uh, high growth, uh, two went public, one was acquired, and uh, and then I got the idea to start my own companies. And the inspiration for me was the variance of people who managed me and uh, my observation of how other managers treated other people. There's a lot of uh, there's a, a a lot of variation, and uh, and I I think all managers mean to do well, and everybody means to be good at their job. It's just you get lost in the day to day transactional stuff that you're doing you know, report in on how, how the, the sprint is going instead of what part of your job is, is a struggle for you. How can we help you overcome that? And so we, uh, we, we have uh, constructed this platform, I guess, with, with that in mind to have clear definition of what's expected in your role and then put that in front of the manager and the person being managed uh, 
so they can talk about it as part of their one-on-ones. The crazy thing about many big companies is they do an annual performance review, and that's like one of the, you know, like only times they really talk about what's expected in your job. You didn't do well at this, and sometimes people didn't even realize that was part of their scope. And uh, and so what we're trying to do is is bring those expectations down into you know frequent conversations that are about how do you get better. Not uh, we're not going to pay you as much as as uh, as other people because you didn't do well. You know what coach would tell his players at the end of a season they weren't uh, playing right. They'd be yelling at him during game time. And uh, we're not suggesting anybody yell at anybody at work, but just have more frequent discussions about how they're doing uh, with enough detail that someone can take action. Yeah, and that ability to take action is such a a critical component there. You know, I've, I've done these exercises for myself, you know. And, and I often find that it's it's hard, you know, it's a lot of work to really write down, like, what am I responsible for in a way that captures all the nuances and the things I'm actually doing and the, the roles that I take on almost like it's like, you know, they call it like my second shift work. You know, what what else am I doing and how am I bringing value to the organization? How do you capture that, you know, it, that it's more than it's more than just your day to day task level activities? Yeah, that's uh, an insightful comment, Ledge. And I'd say that that's the hardest part of our projects, launching the technology, uploading users, uh, you know, connecting them to the expectations uh, and and doing assessments and setting goals. All the things that we're able to do with our platform, you know, the individual development path of what uh, learning is important to them uh, in order to master their role. All of those things are predicated on what, you know, what you just mentioned is sort of the hard part is what's really expected. And, uh, that is is uh, uh, frequently uh, identified in a job description. So somebody thought about it at some point. But when we engage with a client, we say, well, w- where are the expectations? The most advanced thinkers that we come across um, have done it in spreadsheets, which is hard to sustain, hard to uh, get data for <coughs> and keep it all current. The, the uh, f- frequently... Uh, it hasn't been thought about in a couple of years and they'll pull out job descriptions as our starting point. And then when they look at it and really read it carefully, they'll uh, realize that it's not really what's expected anymore, especially true in the IT uh, organizations where new tools and technologies and techniques are coming out every month. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think the hard part of, uh, of launching a system like ours of whether you use a system or you do it manually is thinking about what do we really expect of our people today? And then how they have discussions about where they are in each of those attributes so that uh, you can identify where things are going uh, less than optimal and come up with some guidance on how they can, yeah, I love uh, that they you, can muscle up. You notice and think about the, the technology organizations because you know the the expectations of of what makes a good technologist have just exploded and morphed in, in such a different way you know i was a software engineer when it was cool to sit in the basement and you know the lights were off and we were all sitting behind these glowing you know terminals and um it's just not the case anymore you know there's expectations to talk to customers and to have empathy for the other users and interact with product and think about ux and uh, you know my guess is that the none of that was, you know, really anticipated the speed of, of technological change for, uh, for product development and product and engineering and, and innovation becoming the center of all the discussions, you know, shipping code or shipping product faster. Um, you know, the expectations have just ramped up incredibly on, on those technological people. 
at the same time that the demand from the the marketplace has has picked up and we just can't find enough of them it's it's uh it's been difficult how do you are there different ways that you would think about a the technological workforce you know versus versus the others or is this a, a universal truth yeah no i think it's magnified or accelerated in in the it space because of the abundance of new, you know, new companies uh, creating functionality that didn't exist before. I think if you did a, uh, if you talked to somebody who was a, you know, an all-star programmer from three years ago and they haven't kept current, you know, a lot of the stuff they know how to do is, has become somewhat obsolete. And, um, and how, how does, how, how do you deal with uh whirlwind change uh, in terms of tools and techniques and, and that doesn't even touch on, uh, you know, sort of the more stable uh, category, which you which you touched on, which is, you know, being a person, you know, all the soft skills, communication, reporting and working as a group, all those things, I think, are relatively the same over time. But uh, the IT workforce is uh, particularly under stress for keeping um, current and all the new stuff. And, you know, we've seen some uh, fantastic e-learning providers emerge. Um, plural site, uh, maybe leading the, you know, the instructional area for that. But uh, each company has different expectations. You know, one insurance company might think a Java programmer does does things in JavaScript and and uh, in Azure, and another one is up in in Oracle, um, uh, just using Java. So even though the the two job just you know they're called the same thing, a Java programmer, there's different expectations and. Uh, it's it's tricky, and I you know I think that we can be uh, you know super helpful to companies that are trying to move their pack, keep them current, and and have discussions about how they can help them improve their skill. And with the talent shortage uh, so magnified in IT, I think there's something like a twenty percent more demand for IT people than there are people. So you know you need to be developing your people and doing more than just expecting them to get stuff done if you want them to stay. And retention in IT is a big problem, and and so I think we we can take a bite out of both of those problems, uh, upskilling and retention. And I would think, um, uh, you know, it's it's something I'd like to talk more about with uh, with any of your your listeners who who would have interest. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder um, what if I'm an organization, right, and I'm kind of thinking about these things, but I don't know what to do. Symptomatically speaking, how do I recognize myself as as a customer that would benefit from a, a solution like this? Because we, you know, I think we all wake up and say, "Well, I need to reduce or increase retention. I need to reduce turnover. I need to make sure my people are happier." And you know, wow, I'm thinking of all these things and, and culture and blah, 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 blah. and then you know that that gets lost. Like the entire thinking gets lost behind you know, sort of um, perhaps poorly indicated business metrics that, that don't account for it. But symptomatically speaking, how can a, a business or a technology org leader kind of wake up and say, oh, I am definitely in need yeah, of that. to take action on this. Well, at, at first, I think everybody means well. Um, people come to work, they want to have a good day, they want to nail everything there that's expected of them. Managers want to have a good vibe with their people and be helpful and and uh, and and coach them and have a positive influence. I think uh, you know good intentions don't always carry the day. What what people uh, you know I I think just my my uh, nickel's worth of advice uh, on on your show today would be 
you know, take, take the time, uh, you know, to make a list and inventory what's expected of people in their different roles. Project managers have very different expectations than programmers. Cybersecurity has got its own set of skills and responsibilities, and then everybody should be a human. Take an inventory of, of, of what's expected of each person and have a conversation about how they're doing on that. That is, uh, I think, where the road begins. P- people, uh, managers will find out that there are certain areas that, that are struggles and then come up with uh, some kind of a training and a, uh, intervention to uh, help people over their struggles and, uh, and the team will perform better. And I think ultimately that's what everybody wants. You know, I think it's so hard to in, in technology and, and the, the pace of change is like you may need not even you could be a, a really experienced kind of good manager, you know, who could probably do really well in this. And the vocabulary moves so fast that you can't even describe what you really want. Like it's got to become in some way collaborative with the technologists themselves, because you might know what you want, but you might not even have the, the vocabulary or the words to describe what you want, you know, you want to ship software faster, which you, you know, probably want to think about as some kind of, uh, you know, a DevOps or delivery engineer, but you don't even know how to ask for that. And, uh, you know, when you're putting a job rack out, I mean, it's, I definitely, I have empathy for, for the managers who probably check 80% of the boxes and, and could really, really holistically manage a team really well. Um, but, but don't know how to, how to even understand what they're, you know, up against it. Do you see that happen at all? That the vocabulary has just moved so fast that it, it just makes this exercise difficult. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. The velocity of change in the uh, and you know, in information technology makes this problem much harder, and it's going to be uh, tough, if not impossible, to really keep, you know, a, a team of ten people have current data in your notebook which is uh, what most of uh, leadership walks into a one-on-one meeting with a notebook and tries to organize notes. And uh, really what they're doing is they're, they're making a journal of things that that, uh, that individual might talk about. Most people in a one-on-one meeting are not going to talk about things they're struggling with. They're going to try to put a positive spin on, I'm doing really good at this. And you know, I, I think that's kind of the art of management is to help people overcome their gaps. And, uh, and, and that is something that you have, to, you have to have kind of a cheat sheet to talk about to say what what is 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 the whole list of things that you're working on and where where is that going so well, um, and when that list keeps changing like it is in IT, it's uh, it's it's you know technology is a great tool you know it's a, it's a great kind of tool to lean on. You talked about building the the tool that that you guys use and the you know software experience you know for your for your own company. Curious how how that was you know to describe that as. Uh, you know, you're a, a CEO with some experience in, in technology orgs. Would you like to build software and work with developers that you had to hire to do that? You know, I would love if you would describe that from the customer standpoint and what was important to you. You know, is it because we're dealing with a lot of developers, you know, that, that have those initial conversations? And, you know, what makes it work and, and not work? And talk about expectations, you know, from from your standpoint as the the buyer and manager. I'm going to cover that in just uh, one minute, uh, Ledger. Something I wanted to share uh, with with your listeners that I, I think will be very interesting. A, a, a very large financial services firm out of New York, somewhere around 10,000 people, recently uh, began a process with us to see if our tool could help them, um, uh, keep track and identify who are the, the people in their organization who have learned about machine learning and artificial intelligence because they didn't know. And a few years ago when people got hired, it wasn't such a big thing. 
And their thesis is a lot of people have attended training and done things. They're just, there's no inventory of it. And they're actually calling it a project that uh, is labeled like a talent marketplace. They're trying to figure out from their staff and their contractor pool, who's, uh, you know, our gurus at different, uh, diff- different capabilities that have recently emerged. I love that. And yeah, like a skills uh, you know, inventory, but like things have changed and we already own what we need and we don't know it. Yeah, we might already own it. And yet uh, they, they might not, if they don't know it, they're going to put up job racks, hire new people. They might sit them next to the guy who's been working at night to learn all that stuff. And then that guy's like, geez, they don't even know, know who I am here. I, I, I love that direction. And yes, I asked the other question, but you know, this, this whole thing has been on my mind too, is like. How do you run a skills inventory at scale? Uh, it's just a huge problem in IT. Do you do you have any insights into that? That's, well, that is uh, a, a infomercial for what what we're doing with our tech. That's what we built it for was to do these talent inventories, and then go a step further with what we would call an individual development plan. Each person has got different uh, different things they're aiming at, and so one of my favorite sayings is, is "one size fits none." You've got to personalize. We personalize our music with playlists. We should personalize learning uh, in a in a similar way, and we're able to do that with with our software. So I I would say that my um, my vision for for using this kind of thing internally, we we might be a, a bit of a case of the sh- the shoemakers uh, kids have no shoes. We're running uh, we're running and gunning. And a, we're a small company right now, and I'm you know I'm I'm doing one on ones and 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 stuff every day. It's a it's a constant sprint. The, the more uh, organized and structured, you know, larger organizations that we do business with uh, r- really has this problem, um, which is you can't just uh, you can't just fix it uh, because, like I mentioned about that New York firm, they just don't have any way to find out who knows things currently without doing some kind of a survey or assessment. And then if they did that and it landed in Excel or SurveyMonkey, they can't connect the dots to three months or six months from now and they want to see where they are then. And, uh, and so we, we purpose built the system to do that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you can imagine how do you, you know, combat the survey fatigue. You can't ask people what they learned last week, every week, or they're just not going to answer it anymore. It would get pretty Um, annoying. Right. Right. But you know, some way or another um, it's in the employee's best interest too to say, you know, well, I took this ML course, you know, on my own over the weekend. And there's a new project and they're trying to figure out who to staff their project with. And you want to get the only way to do it. So our, uh, our approach is just put it, put it out. So that somebody can pick up their phone and update their machine learning uh, you know, ratings. And then the next time right. something comes along and somebody looks, they're going to show up as a, as a higher rating because they've been putting in the spade work to get there. And I think that recognition is like that old uh, Thoreau saying, you know, the tree that falls in the forest that nobody saw, you know, if, if you're working on stuff, but your manager, the organization you work for doesn't know it, that's pretty frustrating. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. No, I love that. That's great. Um, maybe, you know, we can make sure that in the show notes, you get some links out to some of the stuff that, uh, that you guys are doing. So come back to the question of you, you built a complex system and you had to work with software engineers, um, you know, not having one sort of on the staff or how, how'd you deal with that, you know, and what was, what was good and not good. And, you know, I, I think that we're always trying to learn, you know, how can that experience be great for innovative companies who are not, innately software people. Yeah. Well, we are, uh, we, we are uh, very careful about um, doing surface level specs, designing what we want things to look like. So there's a clear understanding. And then 
doing use cases uh, so uh, you know we, we can harden the idea and avoid uh, avoid rework. So I think you know the the time you put into doing the blueprints on what you want uh, are going to pay back uh, in scale on the you know the efficiency of getting the work done. We're offshore, which uh, which makes that even a bigger uh, you know a bigger requirement. But I uh, I think that even if uh, if you hit a local team, you know taking the time to really dial in what you're aiming at is uh, is 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 a technique that has proven to work. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely agree. And then, you know, iterating through and not making huge investments into things without looking at it and, you know, kicking the tires uh, makes it makes a huge difference. So I think that's good advice. Uh, last question. So, you know, you, you talked about you're a, you're a fast scaling startup. You've been in fast scaling startups. This is the kind of thing that if you set the baseline for and you build a foundation around this type of practice, it will pay off a thousand to one down the road. And yet, it is one of those remarkably time-consuming and expensive things that you know founders really sort of struggle with. You know, you have to invest in this at, in lieu of marketing. You know, a dollar can only be spent in one bucket, and you know, I wonder how you you balance that. Maybe being an expert in the space, you can kind of say, "Hey, I know this is is going to pay off," but this is an easy thing for small companies to get wrong early and you know not recover from. What's your advice for them? Yeah, well, that, that's a great uh, topic to end on. And I want to thank you for having me on, on your show. You know, the biggest challenge we face as, as a company is, uh, is that nobody's heard of us. And, uh, and CIOs and other leaders in IT are under siege from vendors. And so, uh, you know, if we try to outreach or, or send emails or, or phone calls, it's, uh, it's frequently not answered. Uh, referrals are a big thing. And uh, and then just just getting the name out. I think it's a lot easier to build software than to than to take it to market. And um, we're grateful for uh, you know for for you having us today, so we can talk about what we do and and hopefully stir up some some new discussions. Thank you. Absolutely, it's great to have you, Mike. Thanks for spending the time. Awesome, Ledge. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast, produced by Gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.